Greetings, everyone. This is Jim Emmerich. Welcome to the Chointcast, interviews and short stories from across the world that connect us with people who wish to share their stories about leadership, where this passion comes from, and the goodness that results. In episode 20, we meet Kristen Lowers and learn how the development of a personal leadership philosophy has shaped her leadership journey, both at work and in life. Kristen first attended an Academy Leadership Excellence course in December 2013 and an Advanced Leadership course in September 2014. She has sponsored numerous in-house leadership events for her teams and is certified to facilitate Academy Leadership Energized to Lead, or E2L, workshops. I've had the privilege to serve as Kristen's coach and colleague since 2014. Welcome everyone to 2019 and our first extended Chointcast interview. Today we're going to meet Kristen Lowers. She's a Senior Director of IS at Saddle Creek Logistics Services. But I'll let her introduce herself to you, and I'll we'll let you know. I've I've known Kristen for five years, so welcome to the Joint Cast, Kristen. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. So, as a as a fun background, we're always looking for causes that people support. It's one of what's one of your favorite causes? I'd have to say my favorite cause is you know in a generic sense meeting physical needs while sharing the gospel with others. Um, for many years now, I've been partnered with Compassion International and, uh, you know, uh, adopting some children to help meet their needs and their family's needs. And that has just been such a blessing to our family and to correspond with the children throughout the year and watch them grow physically and in their faith um, has, has been a joy. And, you know, also supporting my local church in any way that I can and with the same concept of, again, meeting those, meeting those needs so that you can share with others. That is fantastic, and and I had never heard you mention uh, Compassion International before, so that's a whole new thread we can explore. How do how do people find you uh, online, Kristen? Sure, um, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to find me, um, and then also on uh, Twitter at at klowers one. At klowers one, super. Yes. So. Now, I've known you for five years, and I know what Saddle Creek Logistics is, but that's an interesting name. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about your organization, for instance, you know, what, what a 3P company is. Sure, sure. Saddle Creek Logistics is a, a privately held omnichannel supply chain solutions company, uh, which is a mouthful. Um, but basically, we provide a, a variety of integrated services, including omnichannel fulfillment, warehousing, and transportation, and that's where the 3PL comes in. Uh, our advanced technology and our scalable custom solutions leverage these capabilities to our manufacturing, retail, e-commerce clients um, to support their business goals. So we're called a 3PL or third-party logistics company as our partners, our, our customers partner with us to outsource elements of their distribution and fulfillment services. We've been in business for over 50 years now and have locations throughout the country. And so I would like to encourage your listeners to uh, learn more about us by visiting selogistics.com. Fantastic. Now, with all that you do, I one of the ways I think about it is it's not just a trucking company. Because when, mm. when in Florida, certainly when every time that we drive from Florida north up to New York or so, and we're going through that Lakeland area, we see Saddle Creek Logistics trucks. What's what's in them? What about what's inside them that tells me it, it could be a three uh, three P? 
Sure. So, and that's funny, you know, most most people that aren't familiar with our company do know us from seeing our trucks on the road, um, but that's actually just a portion of our business. You know, we, we do a lot in the space of traditional warehousing, so storing uh, our customers' goods in our warehouse for when, you know, when they need them. And then also, like I said, our, our fastest growing area is omnichannel fulfillment. Um, and so w- you could see anything in our trucks from TVs to uh, sugar uh, or, um, you know, lots of food things, um, beer even uh, at times. So pretty much a, a variety of just about anything you can think of. And in our trucks, we not only haul the items that are stored in our warehouses, but we may do transportation for some customers that don't store our goods. So really the, um, the, the goods that we carry are really endless in um, in, in, in what you could imagine. Because we can keep that in mind. So if we just think, hey, that's just a trucker, that trucker might have some products we've ordered, something we're going to buy, or it might be carrying the beer that we're hoping to have that night. <laughs> Absolutely. Super. Uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, academy leadership and a leadership philosophy. I want to set that up for the audience a little bit. At most academy leadership programs, leadership training programs, we will develop what we call a personal leadership philosophy, and it's a pretty unique thing to compose. And if you're really curious, you can always look on the Choink website, www.choink.com, and you can actually find under the About tab, you can actually see the Choink leadership philosophy. But it's something that that clients actually do, and we're going to ask Kristen a little bit about that. So Before you attended your first Academy Leadership Excellence course, which I believe was five years ago, we we sent you a book called The Leader's Compass to Read. Now, what happened when you got that book? Well, disclaimer first, I'm I'm not a big reader, as you know, Jim. Um, I'm more social media driven in terms of getting, you know, news and current information. But I have to say that I gave the book a chance because it was part of my homework for the class and I ended up loving the book. And you may think, well, why does a, a you know a non-reader love a book automatically, even though it was you know homework? Well, it's it's because it told a story, and and I love books like that because it it they drive a point home um, with things that I can relate to. So for anybody out there that's like, oh, I don't you know I don't want to you know take one of the classes because I know that I have to read this book. It really is is a great book to read. Um, it's very easy read, and it had a purpose. And and I always like to read with a purpose. And, and that purpose on, in, for this book was to gear someone up to write their own uh, personal leadership philosophy. And it really helped me to understand what that task was. And since then, I've given it away so many times uh, to, to many of my colleagues to aid in the writing of their personal leadership philosophy, whether they attend the, the class or not. You know, I've been encouraging many, many people to do that. And that book is a good way to, to help get them started. Wonderful. Uh, again, I don't think I knew all of that story as well, but it, it is a good read, and there's and there's uh, definitely characters in there most most people who come to courses identify with, especially uh, Guy Sedrick, and you'll have to just get the book to find out who Guy is. Now, <laughs> when you attended the course back in December of 13, Kristen, there were about a dozen people in your, in what we call your Leadership Excellence course. How did interacting with like professionals, strangers you haven't met before. How did that aid you in shaping and writing your leadership philosophy? I'd have to say it was helpful to get feedback from professionals that don't know me. Um, Because they didn't know me, I feel they were in a good position to, one, 
tell me if they understood my leadership philosophy purely based on what they, you know what I read to them, not what they already knew of me. And two, give raw feedback without worrying about how I would take it or how that would impact our relationship. Um, because again, I'm you know just meeting these folks. Uh, I was really Im- impressed with the caliber of professionals that that take the academy leadership classes. I've been through several now, so I've gotten to see a variety of, of professionals attend. Um, and you know, I really felt confident in their opinions, even though I had just you know met them a day or two before. And I, that's that's kind of a common thing now. We, I've probably helped a thousand people compose a leadership philosophy, but what 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 I like is usually when people come to a class, they might feel defensive about their leadership philosophy, or they might feel they haven't quote done enough homework, and or they might even feel that their workplace isn't even conducive to leadership. But always at the end of the first day, I believe people that show up at at a leadership excellence course probably walk away feeling I've got no problems after they realize the range of dynamic uh, environments throughout the workplace, at least in the United States. So how long, Kristen, have you actually been using or living, if you will, your leadership philosophy in a work setting? And can you give us an example of how you might use it? Sure. Uh, Probably about five years now, I'd say. Um, Shortly after, I, I did take the first class. And, you know, as with all tools that we gain in coursework, they need an action plan, right? Or they will stay in a class binder for all eternity and and really produce no fruit. So one thing that I did with mine is I decided to turn it, um, to turn my personal leadership philosophy uh, into a piece of artwork worthy of framing and and displaying in my office. When I commit to something, you know, I'm going to be all in and commit to it. And I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a task I was doing as part of a class. Um, but but something that I would really take forward with me and have in my face every day. Um, so I even designed it such that the colors would complement the decor in my office. Um, but the important thing to grasp is that it's a constant reminder of the leader that I want to be, again, sitting there right there in my face that I see every day. It's now a physical, a tangible item that I can refer to when having conversations with associates as well as when I'm self-evaluating my performance as a leader. Um, it, it basically holds me accountable at the end of the day. And, you know, examples of, of what I've done with it, it really helps me to set expectations directly and clearly um, because it's in writing and it's right there. I can, I can physically point to it um, when, I'm, when I'm talking with an associate and I'm saying, you know, rem- go back to my leadership philosophy. Remember what I said here. Um, you know, this is something that I wrote down. It's very important to me and, it, you know, to help set their expectations. So that's also allowed me to focus more on strategic initiatives rather than just, you know, managing, right? I'm able to lead more um, because my PLP is like an extension of their handbook. They have a guide to go to. I've even seen some of them take mine, print it out, and pin it up in their own in their own desks. Um, I just think the transparency of the leadership philosophy encourages discussion and feedback. And, you know, how does one really grow without that feedback? I think it's impossible. So to me, it's very, it's very valuable, very valuable tool for any leader or any team member to use for that matter. That's a fantastic answer. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of the more comprehensive answers, and it's certainly a delight to hear, Kristen. Let's go back in time. Let's go back to December 2013, say, you know, early 2014. You've just taken the class. Maybe you've just decided you want to be all in and turn your leadership philosophy into a piece of artwork. But how did you first share it with someone? How did you first share it with your team? And what were those initial responses like? Sure. 
Well, you know, uh, shortly after I took the, the leadership excellence course and, and, you know, really finalized my leadership philosophy, as you know, we started brainstorming, okay, what else can we do to further our relationship? And we pretty shortly organized an on-site workshop with my team. And formally, at the end of that workshop is when I shared my, my leadership philosophy all as a group uh, with my team for the first time. Uh, this exercise, it, it helped uh, complement what we all had learned in the E2L uh, about our blue differences, and we can go into that more if you want, um, but it really showed the team that I was working on the things that I had learned, and I was working to be a better leader for them uh, based on these revelations. It was a very positive experience, uh, and after I read mine, I, I, I concluded with an encouragement for each of them to start writing their own leadership philosophies. And surprisingly, they all did. Uh, they all did their own leadership philosophy read in our uh, staff meetings, you know, throughout the next few months. And they all gave each other feedback and encouragement. It was a very, very positive experience. They were very excited to do this. They, I think they felt the same way that I did about it. So it's been really beneficial for our team. And uh, not only are getting, they getting to express themselves, bring light to their expectations, their operating principles, you know, their non-negotiables, those key areas of, of a leader, leadership philosophy, but their leaders and their peers are getting a deeper dive into what drives them. And that's aiding overall in our communication, in our team building, as we can understand each other and, and help one another grow as leaders. And, and as a best practice, you know, once we got to that point, then I also share my leadership philosophy with any new hires uh, so that they come in with the same information everybody else already has and so that we can discuss those points and that they have that guidebook as to, you know, as to what kind of leader Kristen is. And I'll tell you, I've even, I've even given it earlier in the process, you know, for prospective associates, you know, when we're th going through the interview process so that they absolutely 100% know what they're getting into as well. You know, you're really touching on, on a – a, a fun theme here, Kristen, and what I'm referring to is when you mentioned that coming to the class without an action plan, there's no follow through, both with the coursework, you know, which you did have an action plan, but also in terms specifically about using the leadership philosophy. You've certainly set a good example, right? The way you've expanded, expanded it right away and created a larger, what we call in house program where everyone developed theirs and also the artwork part. So you're already kind of all in. I don't think we should go into an expanded um, discussion of one of our other neat workshops called Energize <laughs> to Lead, but suffice it to say for the audience, you can tell Kristen's um, very much into many of the workshops that we that we have in our program, especially the more unique ones like Energize to Lead and Leadership Philosophy. And I love what you're doing with the team. Have you have you gone further than that, deeper into the organization? For example, supervisor or maybe people more senior in the organization. What kind of exposure has occurred by sharing your leadership philosophy, or perhaps by others in the company saying, "Hey, what's that? What, what's that thing all about?" Sure, you know, really, initially when I started, you know, when I had the passion for it after I had just had just written it, I, I did share it with a variety of individuals. Um, got you know, got different responses. Uh, depending on who it was. And, and I say different, you know, kind of initial responses as the PLP is not necessarily something that's a commonplace, um, at least in not, not in the companies that I've worked for. That, you know, that concept is not, is not the norm. Um, and, and like I mentioned, I, you know, I, I have a, a mind, framed, uh, mind framed in my office so that um, often individuals are first exposed to it in that way because they come in and they see this thing with a bunch of colors on it framed and it's not a picture. And, and so a lot of times that's kind of the gateway into this, the discussion because they ask, what's this all about? 
And, you know, I, I tell them, and some just nod at my explanation as, the, the again, the concept is still quite foreign to them. While others, you know, I've seen light bulbs go off, you know, uh, it's right there in my office as, as I'm explaining what it, what it is and what I do with it. And then I usually give them a copy. I have a couple copies. I usually give them a copy of the, of the book that we talked about earlier in the conversation so that they can really take it one step further and, and maybe even write their own leadership philosophy because I, I think this is something that should spread throughout my entire organization. So I'm definitely an, an evangelist of it. Um, but I've had a very response, uh, positive response from the new associates uh, and that they love having that roadmap on how best to work with me, what my expectations of them are, you know, even before starting the job. And my leader is, is really a great advocate for my growth in this area. So, of course, she was very supportive when I first shared it with her. She was excited to hear it, um, you know, when I shared it with her years ago. Um, so I'd just say overall, it's it's that gateway for leadership discussions that can help better a company. Um, so really, I'll, you know, if anybody else out there wants to frame it and do what I did, please do it. Because again, just having something that's a physical, tangible item that starts conversations can be great for leadership within your organization. Are there are there other ways? Um, you're, you've already proclaimed yourself an evangelist, Kristen. But are there, are there <laughs> other ways, perhaps outside of work or at home? where thinking back on it, your leadership philosophy has actually been helpful to you or influenced, say, a decision you made? Mm. Yes. So even my husband and my children know key pieces to it. They couldn't recite it like some of my associates could, but they, they know key pieces to it. And, uh, you know, they'll bring them up occasionally. So, uh, for example, one of my operating principles is to apologize when I'm wrong or even when I'm perceived as wrong. Even if I don't think that I'm the one that's wrong, but if someone else does, then, you know, my response is an apology. And I often get reminded of this by my family uh, when someone <laughs> may perceive me <laughs> as wrong, even, you know, when we're discussing that I believe I did the right thing. And, you know, and so they're like, no, Kristen, remember what your operating principle is. So it's funny to even hear them, you know, the, the pieces that are I'm really, truly passionate about come through, um, you know, and it's, and it's nice for everyone in my life to know it so that they can hold me accountable. Again, it's really about accountability and growing and, and sticking to what you, you know, the leader that you want to be. Um, especially on the ones that are kind of hard to stick to, like that example I just gave. Um, that can be tough you're over dinner, and, and, you, and you get, um, you know, you're, it's dinner time. You're relaxing with the family, and you get hit with um, operating principle. So that's that's, yep. uh, that's pretty that's courageous. That's how it works in our house. Yep. It's, it's it's a great story. It's a great story. Well, it, it, interestingly enough, and again for another conversation, you know, our our family actually has a family contract. So um, mm -hmm. we, we've we've sort of uh, drank the Kool-Aid as well. So in, in the broadest sense then, okay, going all the way back, you know, to, to when we first met and the courses and all, how do you fundamentally think about leadership now? How do you think about it differently now? That's a good question. Um, I think I think the, the process of the leadership philosophy and, and what I've learned about it and how I've used it has really to help me see that leadership positions need input from all directions. Um, what I what I mean is that when you are in a leadership position, you tend to take input and feedback from your boss or your clients. However, the leadership philosophy has helped open the door for feedback from associates, peers, you know, your boss, of course, other leadership that you share it with, anybody that asks about it. Um, and it all goes back to accountability and inviting others to give you input based on what you state your goals are, you know, in your leadership philosophy. 
So this whole evolving exercise has, has really made me look at leadership differently by opening up more so that I can receive that feedback and be the best leader possible. I bet if we compared our conversations we have now to the ones that we had back in uh, 13 and 14, maybe if we had recorded them, they'd probably be quite a bit different. Let's <laughs> true. Let's let's switch topics a little bit here, okay? Because I think we've we've really given a good primer and testimonial, if you will, for for having a leadership philosophy. We've had a coaching relationship. It's hard, it's hard to believe this sometimes for several years, whether it's been uh, informal or as in the past you know, six or nine months, a little bit more formal. What has this taught you about performance coaching in the workplace? I think that it, I think our coaching relationship has really solidified my belief that supplemental coaching and and getting that feedback um, from a, from outside your company, uh, outside your employer is, is extremely important to ensure you have that rounded strategic growth plan. Um, because, you know, you get a lot of feedback, obviously, from your direct supervisor and maybe a level up and, you know, and like I talked about some of your associates, but someone that, you know, has that focus um, that's coaching you towards a goal and has that objective objective feedback outside of the whirlwind of the day, I think it, it brings that outside element um, you know, giving those objective viewpoints that you can't get from people that are in that environment with you. So to me, again, I've, I've, I've believed that, but it's really solidified and proven to me that that supplemental coaching outside of your, uh, your organization is, is really important to get an, another perspective. Now, I'll, I'll share one of, one of my opinions, if you will, or observations. I don't believe performance coaching. And when I say coaching, I don't mean evaluation. I mean, I'm separating the two, of course. But I don't, I don't think uh, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people must wonder what coaching is really like if it's done well. So, what do you think some of the important characteristics are of an effective coaching relationship? What makes it work, Kristen? Hmm. I'd say flexibility is is very important uh, when you're talking about performance coaching, especially with leaders. Uh, you know, leaders are busy. Coaches are busy. <laughs> Uh, being able to connect informally and formally and being flexible about the format, being flexible about the topics, it may not be anything that you plan to talk about, you know, in that session, I think are important as, as new things come up because, you know, you have to be able to be flexible to deviate from that plan. As you know, that you helped me with quite a bit this past year, Jim, uh, flexibility is just one of those key things, I think, you know, because it really is about, um, you know, being able to adapt to whatever's going on in, in the leader's life and in their uh, professional life at that time and, and being able to just kind of coach to that and, and, and be flexible is important. I also think that uh, relationship building, so having a coach that can follow you through your leadership journey is nice because it establishes that baseline so that you can get feedback on your growth, right? So just like you mentioned, five years ago, you know, it, we would have been having a different conversation, but you've been able to be there through that and, and be through, you know, be there through my, my growth uh, journey as well to see, you know, give me feedback in, in terms of pace and, and things like that. So kind of that long-term um, relationship building, I think, is also important. Um, and, and really, finally, I'd have to say relatable experiences and, and having some history. Uh, I think it helps to have someone that can give examples of their past experiences that aid in the explanation of the coaching topic. So, you know, okay, give me the, give me the facts. Give me, you know, what you think I should do. Now give me an example of it so that I can truly visualize what that means and, you know, and how you may have used that technique. You've given me a, 
a great answer in part, I think, Kristen. What often I've told people who want to engage in, in a more formal coaching relationship, I tell them I have a chemistry rule. I've always struggled to to try to come up with an objective definition of that. You came up with a pretty good one, though. I think I'm going to listen to this a couple times and rewind that. <laughs> one, <laughs> one last one last question, Kristen. Uh, and I want to and I want to keep it on this uh, coaching thread. How have you applied what you've learned about coaching? For example, the difference between what it is and what it isn't, to how you work with your teams. What kind of coach? What kind of coach have you, have you become? You know, I, really similar to to what I was talking about and and the three items that we just discussed. Sometimes sometimes my team can't have a formal one on one with me at the time allotted. You know, per per month or per week or whatever that is. So we may go to lunch or we may text back and forth, you know, in an evening or, or have a quick phone call after hours. So uh, I try to be as flexible as possible so that we can stay connected and keep the coaching going, even if it is informal, right? So I think the flexibility is, is something that, you know, I've, I've been, to, uh, been able to apply because I've appreciated it so much. Um, of course, any leader hopes that their star players stay long enough to really build quality relationships so that you can help them grow throughout their careers and give them feedback based on that growth, as I was talking about, that you've been able to do with me. Um, you know, so that's ideal, right, being able to see their, their long-term path as well. And then finally, uh, you know, I definitely try to give relatable experience examples as we talk through challenges. As you know, I know how it's helped me to visualize the solutions you know, that, that we've been able to come up with and implement. So, again, the same three principles that I've learned, the flexibility, the relationship building, uh, the relatable experiences and examples uh, I've then been able to use and, and help uh, help me be a better coach, I think, to, to my associates. Well, thank you so much, Kristen. This was fantastic. And again, for the audience, uh, Kristen Lowers, Senior Director at Saddle Creek Logistics Services. Make sure you look them up, sellogistics.com, I believe you said. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed the Joincast, a positive iTunes review and kind word to your friends and colleagues would be most appreciated. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, hashtag Choink, C-H-O-I-N-Q-U-E, and visit the bookshelf at www.choink.com. Want to enroll in a Leadership Excellence course? Visit my homepage at www.academyleadership.com slash Stay energized.